traveled far beyond a point of no return. I wanted that to never return. That gap between my different lifestyles on different continents is so deep, I haven't touched bottom yet. Deep and confusing and clarifying all at once. Finding myself in a never-ending split. The split gets only wider as I get closer. Not many people to find here in the gap. A place with no location. Home is the most foreign place. My vibe doesn't click. How deep is that gap? How deep is the gap between you and me? And how much pain do I want to take to cross the bridge? Words cannot even touch the ground. Well, is there a bridge all the way? I'm reaching and cannot reach. What holds me together? Finding myself, and I find myself in Berlin's summer, which for me is winter. Secretly, I play with the pearls of the city. Such precious inspirations. Still, I'm drawn to farness. Welcome to In Between. The beautiful lines you've just heard come from an Instagram post written by my friend Adeline. I came across this post a couple of months ago and I immediately related to it. I felt touched by it and I somehow felt that she's talking about something very similar to my in-between, the in-betweenness that I keep talking about and Of course, I was immediately very curious to know more about it. I texted her and uh, told her that I would be very interested to do a podcast episode about it, to talk more about this gap, about in between, and yeah, just have a conversation about this topic. And she was immediately in and we started to voice message and the whole conversation went on and on. And eventually I even went to Berlin to meet her and... It was so enriching and interesting. And yeah, that's how this episode came into being. I met Adeline for the first time in 2014 in Goa when uh, she was there for some tango festival. I was there for some acro yoga. Uh, already there, it got clear that we have similar hobbies. Both have spent considerable amounts of our lives in India and yeah that's when we got to know each other. So before the episode I didn't know a lot about her life. I just knew that, that she had lived in many different places and uh, traveled in many different places that she gave up everything twice to go to another country and live there and uh, she also mentioned a couple of times that she doesn't feel a very strong belonging to her blood family which maybe is also the reason why she still looking for that perfect place where she feels like she belongs. And as mentioned before, she has also spent a lot of time in India and themes that brought her to India were on the one hand yoga and yoga philosophy, more was spiritual and uh, religious topics, which she found interesting and wanted to know more. Also the idea of living in a place where the emotional world plays more of a role than the material world as she expresses it herself and during her many stays in India where she was teaching tango she was living with different Indian families in their homes or in the homes of Indian tango dancers so she got quite a deep insight as well into Indian culture but recently she had to come back to Berlin back to Germany because of corona and that's actually the phase of her life in which this episode came about. 
So one of the first questions which I asked Adeline in order to slowly get closer to understanding this idea of a gap in which she describes about her life was uh, more biographical. I wanted to know like how is her life constituted, how is it built, where all is it spread, so in order to slowly reach the topic of that gap. Yeah, okay. I have a backpack and I don't have a home, I don't have a physical home and I am traveling the world and I teach tango and I teach yoga wherever I am and um, I spend lots of time in India, in Indonesia, but also I was in Thailand or in the Caribbean or in Costa Rica or Mexico or the States, wherever. It's really like wherever life is bringing me, wherever options appear, then I'm going. But most of my time, I would say I spent in India. Then I wanted to know more about what exactly is this gap, what happens in this gap and how that gap functions and feels and uh, is perceived in a way it's everywhere because everything can be different if you go shopping like the whole process of buying chocolate would be different or the whole way of communicating if you communicate more with codes or maybe very straightforward you know like there are different cultures in communicating or work you know do we start on time Or are we easy? Like everything is different. So it shows everywhere. So it's not that there's this one normal and you just, however you learned it, you just do the, the one version all the time with everything. But whatever you do, you need to like understand where am I? Ah, right. <laughs> Here we are doing this. <laughs> I think that if we say the gap has two sides. In my case, it has even more sides in like countries or cultures. But let's say one side is where I grew up, like my first layer of socialization, you know, and the other side is a different country. Let's say India for now, because I spend lots of time there. Then I think in that gap, some internal processes actually start to happen, have to start to happen. Like, for example, you have to surrender to things that aren't working in India. You know, so you have to surrender to certain things. Okay, it doesn't go this way, so it goes the other way. And like just by experiencing the differences, so many more options appear. It's not that there's one reality, like one normal. Suddenly there are so many different ways that are all working in the end. And it just becomes random. And then sometimes it's hard to connect with people who have only like one normal. And that's all how the world can be. And you're like, yeah, but I know I've seen it. It can be like this and like that. And I've been in places where, where this works like that. And maybe I like it better. Or why don't you choose that? It could maybe be better for you or whatever. Like there are so many options open up, but they don't exist for everybody. But in that gap, I think there's a whole process of a lot of different like colors of life. And then also there's this process of choosing. Maybe they are not compatible. Maybe they are. Maybe it can all be enriching, but maybe it can also be totally collapsing. <laughs> I don't know. In one of our earlier voice notes, 
Adeline mentioned a certain fear of objectivity which she feels. For her, it's more of a thing that she always felt that the world around her or her growing up in Germany, things were so rational and so objective and she as a person that is working in more emotional ways, she always was kind of scared of this rationality and objectivity. But when she said that, for some reason, it really resonated with me because uh, I think like somehow I also was always afraid of a certain form of objectivity. I think I could call it something like objective opinions. Opinions about what is good, how are things supposed to be done, what is right, like a certain normal and uh, certain people who are so sure of what is good and I was always wondering like how do they know and how can they say it with such confidence when I was never really sure and and I feel like that fear or that confusion only got bigger the more I think I was diving into Indian culture and uh, a different normal or let's say a different objective and the more I was in in a different culture where what is good and what is right and how things are done were being measured completely different and where a different normal is in place as Adeline said so nicely and where a different objectivity is in place and I feel like today my occupation and uh, my life in between consists of the beauty of stepping out of one system of objectivity in order to learn to understand another and I feel like that I'm spending most of my time between such systems challenging my own ideas of what seems to be objective truth and when I compare it to to what is logical or objective or natural or normal in another place it suddenly isn't that objective and all-encompassing or valid in all contexts anymore it's actually pretty contextual and I feel like the more context I know or the better I know different contexts and different normals the more confused I'm getting the liberation, like the freedom that you get out of traveling, like diving into other models of life and the lostness of losing completely the roots is so close that sometimes it's not really clear is it liberating or is it actually being totally lost. I think this is something that happens in that gap because you can travel and you always stay within your own perspective, like you can travel as a tourist. You know, you go and you look at something, but you keep an inner distance and you, you stay the same and you go back home and, you know, that was a nice holiday. Or you can travel and you can really dive in. And then you are slowly marching towards a gap. One thing which I found very interesting from the beginning on was that the phenomena which uh, Adeline calls a gap and I'm calling in between seems to be very similar but I think we call it differently, we name it differently and we also perceive it different or experience it in very different ways and I think I found it very interesting that someone is kind of uh, not disagreeing but it's like putting another concept or another view forward which uh, contrasts with my description of in-betweenness and uh, yeah I found that very interesting as a discussion and to understand why and how or how this can be experienced differently so 
I wanted again to know a bit more about how our understandings seem to be different and uh, yeah, how that gap expresses itself differently in contrast to the in-betweenness I seem to feel. So when I hear you speak about the being in between, it's really like so enriching for you. It's like it multiplies you and you're lighting up. It's really like so beneficial. And for me, it seems like I haven't found that one place. Like I cannot arrive. Yeah, I feel I don't belong <laughs> anywhere. Yeah, so it's like a similar situation, but with such a different perception in a way, you know. In between, for me, would feel like there are possible compromises and it both goes together and you can float around and have a good time and like somehow it's compatible. While for me, the, it's a gap because I don't manage to find the bridge that goes all the way. It's like I'm in this in-between place And neither do I want to live in India because of certain reasons and neither I want to go back for other reasons. But it's like I can't arrive any place. And in addition to that, there are really very little people who are in such a space, in such a mind space, in such an emotional place, in such a, I mean, even like geographically, it's, it's pretty cool crazy <laughs> you know like how I travel but um, the in-between for me sounds like I can do both and the gap for me is I can't do either. I think that I would agree with Adeline that in my case this in-betweenness actually is very enriching in a lot of aspects But I also kind of could connect to what in one voice message she calls a certain uncombinability because for me, like uh, I would say my Indian life and my Swiss life, I'm keeping them quite separate. I keep them as two closed entities that never touch and I always felt that it's the easiest to live that way in a way. So, <laughs> But I also feel that I kind of call it in between, and it's so interesting that this whole conversation sparks so many new thoughts, but I, I think I call it in between because more and more I am not able to do that anymore. I mean, I can do it practically, like, for example, when I'm in Switzerland, I don't talk a lot about India unless people ask me, and the same in India, when I'm in India, I don't talk a lot about Switzerland, I just live my life there according to values there and here I live it here according to the normal that is in place here. But what I cannot change is uh, how my mind keeps switching between my Indian and my Swiss self. One could even say maybe, for example, if I'm in Switzerland and uh, something happens, suddenly I kind of switch perspectives and I see the whole thing with the eyes of probably my close Indian friends. And I think, wow, <laughs> that is actually really strange. And for a moment, I step out of my Swissness. Yeah, I'm thinking this and then I feel like, oh no, and I step back into the same, <laughs> my Swiss thinking and the same happens in India a lot of time as well. And Adeline said that for her, the gap is kind of everywhere with all the things that are different. And I feel like 
for me, it, it's actually mostly in my head. It's when I'm switching perspective. It's uh, when something happens in Switzerland, I suddenly think, oh, wow, for my Indian friends, this would be like really weird that we are talking about this. And uh, even for me, it's kind of weird for a moment. I think like in my mind, I am in between. I think in two minds, one could even say, or I'm not sure how to describe it. Maybe it's that I got a second set of eyes, which uh, belong to my close friends in India, with which I'm seeing and processing everything that happens. Maybe one could say I have a second self, which is more Indian. I don't know, there are different perspectives present at the same time. And sometimes I feel like it's getting quite crowded in my head. And uh, yeah, the the way I'm processing things with two pairs of eyes or two minds or whatever I feel like that's how my in-between feels and it truly is enriching but it's also very confusing and many times yeah uncombinable or it's it's a constant jumping and processing differently and interpreting and uh, yeah it's like a a second voice or a second side which I cannot just switch off anymore that easily <laughs> and uh, that's I think in the conversation with Adeline, that's what came out, how I would describe my in-between, in contrast to the gap she is describing. And when the conversation went on, Adeline mentioned another very interesting aspect. At first, everything is like very confusing and then it's very mind-blowing and very interesting. And then you might adapt or adjust or maybe even transform and become more like that and then at one point you come home and you realize that it's really hard to to be back like things were earlier, like to go back to that. I feel like I don't fit in anymore. I feel like a foreigner when I come back. In the beginning of this year, I was reading a novel which I found really incredible and enjoyed a lot. It was called Night Train to Lisbon by Pascal Mercier. And already then when I read it, there was a certain passage in the book which somehow really touched me and I kind of connected to it. And uh, when I had this conversation with Adeline, suddenly I felt that somehow this passage perfectly fits into our conversation and possibly will be able to, in a very different way, pick up on another aspect that is connected to what we have been talking about so far. So the book is about a Swiss Latin teacher who out of the blue one day decides to, as I see it, basically uh, completely break free from his old life. He takes a night train to Lisbon, he learns Portuguese, he has a book of a mysterious Portuguese poet and uh, yeah, he goes to Lisbon to unravel some of that mystery. But while he was there, every other time, the whole new scenario with a new language, with a uh, being alone in a new country and all of this threatens to overwhelm him like any time and eventually it did at one point and <laughs> exactly as spontaneous as he went to Lisbon he took a flight back to Switzerland went back to Bern where he lived and taught and there's a certain square which was part of his routine which was uh, part of his life and the text passage is about this so he had just returned to Bern because he wanted to be back in a place where he knew his way around, he didn't want to speak in a foreign language anymore. And uh, so he goes to that square where he used to go all the time. And that's where the passage starts that you're going to hear now. 
An hour later, when he stood in the square, he had the feeling he couldn't touch it anymore. Yes, even though it sounded strange, that was the right word. He couldn't touch Bubenbergplatz anymore. He had already walked around the square three times, had waited at the traffic lights and looked in all directions. Towards the cinema, the post office, the war memorial and the Spanish bookshop, where he had come upon Prado's book. Straight ahead at the tram stop, at Heiligkeistkirche and the Loeb department store. He had stood still, closed his eyes and concentrated on the pressure his heavy body exerted on the pavement. The soles of his feet had become warm, the street seemed to come towards him, but the feeling persisted. He no longer succeeded in touching the square. The streets and buildings, the lights and sounds, of the square with its decades of familiarity, no longer managed to reach him, to bridge this final gap and present themselves to his memory as something he not only knew, knew by heart, but as something he was, has always been. Only now did it dawn on him that he was no longer the same person. The persistent, inexplicable gap was in no way like a protective shield. Instead, it made Gregorius panic. It was the fear that in losing the familiar things he had evoked to recapture himself, he was also losing himself. He was experiencing much the same thing here as he had at dawn in Lisbon, only more perniciously and much, much more dangerously. For while there had been burn as well as Lisbon, there was nowhere to replace the lost burn. Originally, I had read the book in German, but when I read it in English for this podcast, I was so surprised to find the word gap there, because in German it's a different word, and I didn't immediately make this connection back then, but now when I found it so clearly there in the English version, I found this to be even more reason to include it and uh, make it part of this episode or this conversation. What I found especially interesting is the part where Merci writes that uh, behind Lisbon there was always burn. So when his character Gregorius was in Lisbon, was maybe experiencing a new self or a new world there or whatever, he always knew that there is his identity in Bern, in Switzerland, his life there is back there like his roots are being there but then when he comes to back to burn and he stands on that square and he cannot touch that square anymore then he reflects on the fact that what does it mean if behind burn there is no more burn there's nothing behind it and there is nowhere to go nowhere to go back to to hold on to like no roots and i feel like that this passage really captures the confusion of being between two places so well of the feeling of losing one's root, the uprootedness as Adeline has described it herself. I think like this passage just brings it to the point, like captures it just brilliantly in a way that one can really feel it. I think that I myself made that experience when I came back after nine months of India that I yeah, maybe I couldn't touch it anymore. I couldn't experience the things that happened in Switzerland anymore the way I used to do. I always was missing Switzerland all the time when I was in India and I had that picture in my mind how things would be if I would be in Switzerland and how things are going to be when I'm back. And when I was back, for some reason, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't experience it the same way anymore. Just as he writes, I wasn't the same person anymore. I wasn't 
looking at things, experiencing things with the same eyes anymore and the same way. And that's an experience which I, which went, was really deep for me because it's very difficult to share it, to express it in, in a way that people around you can understand. And I just think like this passage is so, so special to me because it just makes it so understandable in a way. And especially on the mornings in Berlin when I came to visit Adeline, when I was like roaming around in Berlin by myself, I was wondering if, yeah, if these squares, these places, these streets and the public transportation and the kind of activities and conversations one has here, if it feels the same to her, that she cannot touch them anymore because she's not the same person anymore. And I was like uh, thinking a big deal about this while I was like roaming the streets of Berlin alone on some quiet mornings. Your mind so flexible that you feel undecisive. All options are options. My desire for justice smashing into your softness. I want to give you orientation. Instead, you teach me softening, gratitude. I melt with you. So many protection walls collapse. So what you just heard is a part of a poem or let's say a longer piece written by Adeline, which she showed me when we were sitting on a hill in Mauerpark in Berlin. And when she read it to me then, and we talked a bit about it, I immediately had a feeling that it would fit quite well into our conversation or into that podcast. And when our conversation eventually turned into that direction, I immediately knew that a part of it needs to be in here. And that's what you've just heard. What I like about it is that in many ways it talks about certain differences, I would say cultural differences, maybe moral differences, differences in values, differences in the way society is structured or one has been socialized that are hard to deal with, that are hard and maybe impossible to bridge. I feel like before we have been talking a lot about what is enriching about but also difficult of uh, living in a gap or living in between. But uh, I found it interesting when our conversation turned to a point which I think is also quite uh, difficult or it's like a minefield to talk about, about uh, things which are so different that for some reason your values, you can't accept it anymore. You know it's different and you respect the culture as one says so nicely, but you can't deal with certain differences anymore just because you've grown up so differently you there's no in between anymore then you're clearly on one or the other side or you clearly cannot deal with a certain thing or it's very hard and the poem that you heard Adeline had written in a love context about certain difficulties of living in a love relationship with someone from another culture in that case from India but also about a lot of differences in the way that society is structured like people seem to adapt a lot more in Indian culture and work in a lot more collective way which sometimes goes against a certain individualism in which Adeline and I have grown up. What I like about the poem is that it in a very flowery way it touches a lot of these things and issues and I would like to 
for the last couple of minutes dive a little bit in some of these things very cautiously but in some of these differences that are like really hard to bridge the first one uh, unsurprisingly is about love and the place of love relationships in i would say in indian society or even the place given from society to the couple relationship so i always thought that love is bigger than any circumstance in the world any situation i really thought that love is the biggest power and that love can bridge everything but i couldn't manage <laughs> like i think the one very painful experience is that i couldn't bridge all the way so what I, what do i mean i was dating a guy and we had like very different understanding what love is how relationship works and just like a very different value system and on that journey of being together and spending time i think we could really lovingly and curiously discover lots of differences and talk them through and learn and understand and get closer and get more deeper connected but somehow it was as if there was a limit that maybe i could still intellectually understand why he would do different or why things are are different but i couldn't manage for example to still feel loved in this different way i couldn't bridge it emotionally and i think this was really a very painful experience that also feels like a gap because i couldn't make it to the other side not all the way and i tried so hard and maybe there was just a limit of accepting some different values in that love relationship so i grew up in very individualized structures and i perceive india as a culture with that is more collectively structured so what i mean for me the couple relationship the love relationship would be the first priority this would be like my basic union where i make if i make a decision and i want to include somebody else i would maybe ask or coordinate with my partner and in india what i found a lot is that the couple relationship is not the first priority but the family the parents and a whole group of people so is not that the decision will be made with me in that case as the woman but a whole collection of people will discuss and decide and i will not have the first say and i might understand that and i might see the benefit of structuring a society like that through the family and in also having that like strong desire to maybe belong to one of those families that are so forever <laughs> so rock solid and undivorceable i'm exaggerating but stable and in the same time i think me for myself i maybe couldn't accept to not be 
the priority as the couple relationship. Yeah, these are just two different value systems that both function perfectly well, but it's really hard for me to bridge. It's hard to appreciate a situation where the individual desire is not the first priority. Of course, I get the beauty and the necessity of seeing the whole group, the whole family, the whole social circle, the whole team at work, whatever. It's just, for me, that works if everybody is an equal. And it doesn't work anymore when different people in that group have different power positions because of age or because of any kind of status. So if I want to make a big life decision with my life partner, for example, where do we move? And then I have to deal with all kinds of uncles and their opinion gets more value because they are older than I, for example. Then it gets hard for me to accept because it's hard to give that decisive power to people for reasons of hierarchy that I cannot share. Maybe you have to adjust because you're young or because you're the girl and not the boy. And this is where it stops for me that I can accept it. This is where my limit is. I feel like I've talked a lot in my podcast about similar issues or like similar observations. For example, when I was reflecting about like, where are you in your own life? <laughs> when I was wondering that because I felt like so many decisions in my Indian friend's life were being taken not by them, but their families, by circumstances, by what's seen as good in society and so on. Or I was thinking and reflecting about a similar thing when I was talking about marriage and when I was realizing how the marriage decision is a decision that does not have to be correct and right for only one person, the person who is marrying, but for a whole family, for two families in fact, and that there are so many people involved and that the whole thing is so complex in so many ways. A decision that in a society that is a bit more individualistic would be one with a lot lesser components. Here has so many components and so many people involved and gets so complex, which is also something I find really fascinating because it works so differently. But there's a certain codependency, a certain how one as an individual needs the collective, needs the family, needs to be rooted and supported by the family in that network and a certain dependency that is created here, but also a certain collectivity and Adeline has observed and reflected that in uh, very similar ways. I think it's really that dependency that these people live in, that society, that circle, that family, because that's all there is, that's the social insurance, that's the unemployment insurance, the health insurance, the retirement insurance, no, all of that. So if you are not arranging with these people and you might need help, there is no government that helps you. It is that dependency, I think, why they kind of have to bend, because if they are not bending and adjusting to that system, they are alone and alone there are not a lot of chances like just by the how the society is organized 
So more and more I really understand that um, how this dependency is all uh, coming together. And another thing I found really interesting is that there is a constant kind of back and forth. So many people are involved. Everyone needs to be okay with something. Things need to be allowed. Different people need to be asked before there can be a certain agreement can happen. Adeline said a lot of times that she's used to an agreement being between two people and not really so many people need to be asked for allowance or need to be involved in something. And she described that going back and forth between asking different people and kind of finding your way, negotiating this constant negotiation. She used to call it juggling and uh, how people juggle other people and don't juggle me was one of her phrases which I found very interesting and I feel like I have observed a similar thing that many times I was kind of frustrated because I felt like where is your agency in all of this when I saw how people kept negotiating with their family where their individual desires like were so clear what they wanted or what would be good for them but it was so hard to make their families or their environment or the places where they lived in to accept and understand that. And I was always like so frustrated because I'm so used to having a lot of agency about my own life and being independent and I can take my own stand for my own decisions and my desires are important. And till today, it's a very interesting phenomena, but also sometimes very frustrating. And a lot of times agency is happening, but in very different ways than I know it from back home but what I realized and I think even Adeline is saying that in her poem and it's like hinting at that in her poem is uh, that adapting or uh, resolving things internally like just adapting just going with it just uh, accepting certain things is a kind of a skill which is true that is so present in India in many ways and I found it interesting how she reflected about that so I observed a lot of skills of resolving things internally. So while maybe I tried, if there's a problem, to fix that in the external world, you know, like, ah, I don't have these rights here because I'm a woman, so I have to change this and that and that. And if I have to make a revolution. And it's not brought to peace just inside of myself. Like, I was dating this guy and I was like furious about what I can wear and what I cannot wear and why it is so dangerous to live in a female body. And he was just like, yeah, why I make so much stress in my head? Why don't, it, why don't I just put it to peace? Why don't I just cover up and deal with it? No problem. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I should just give up on, on my rights and just cover up? But yeah, there, there, there's a skill, of course, in it, in, you know, letting things go and embracing it and creating internal peace. And I guess if you live in a repressed system, this is probably a good skill to have. Anyhow, it's a good skill to have, but maybe a necessary skill to have. And to me, I'm like, no, I, I won't. I won't accept that. It's my duty. <laughs> it's my duty to fight for women's rights, you know, <laughs> just as one example. And like this, we have been talking about so many more examples of things that are different or hard to accept or interesting in so many ways. Uh, things like what it means to be a woman in India, 
things like privacy and the role it plays in the societies we grew up and the role it plays in India and so on. I could tell so many stories, but uh, I feel like this whole, all of these conversations that were with me for many weeks in voice messages and that were with me in uh, the days that I've spent in Berlin with Adeline. I don't know, these questions and conversations and thoughts were with me all the time and they were with me also on one evening where I went to meet some friends and on the way there I was wondering because whenever I asked Adeline if she would have it any other way I always felt that the consensus was like no because it's so enriching all the things she has seen in her life was able to experience she wouldn't have it any other way but what she did say and what I found very interesting is that for her, maybe slowly it is time to close the India chapter and to go off to discover a new culture or like to go off to live somewhere else and grow and learn somewhere else and let another place change her because what she said was that she feels like she is growing out. She's like has grown out India and the whole idea of growing out a place is quite interesting and that she needs somewhere else to go. And she said it in a very, she said it in a very catchy phrase that I was thinking about for a long time. She said that I'm beyond the phase of learning. I am disagreeing now. And it's interesting and I feel like there's so much courage in that phrase because I know that she and me and I think so many more people spend so much time learning a certain culture, learning to understand the ways of life in another place and... It also needs courage to talk about things that are difficult to accept, like we just did, but also to disagree with certain things, especially if you're not disagreeing just from the beginning without even like with keeping this distance between you and that culture, but disagreeing once you know and to a certain degree understand the culture. And I was thinking about that when I was on the way to meet a couple of friends in Berlin who have actually spent one of my two exchange semesters in Delhi with me who had also been studying at that university and meeting them was very beautiful and very nice to yeah meet up after such a long time and it was also interesting for me to see that or to have that feeling that for them India is kind of a past thing it's out of their head like this phase is over or maybe beyond the phase of learning and <laughs> Now they have moved on. But interesting to see that for some reason it's still, I am not, like it's still in my head. It's still, I'm not ready to let it go yet. There's so much more I want to understand and learn. And yeah, it's interesting how I'm still in that phase and how the, I realized that even more when meeting these two people that had spent a part of that time with me. And how we all make very different experiences in different places and we dive into different degrees and... I feel like uh, <laughs> this was a very special episode for me because it kicked off so many new thought processes and I hope that for you just listening, maybe not processing the same topics that me and Adelina are processing at the time, it was still uh, interesting for you and you liked it as much as I did. Your mind so flexible that you feel undecisive. All options are options. 
my desire for justice smashing into your softness. I want to give you orientation. Instead, you teach me softening, gratitude. I melt with you. So many protection walls collapse. Mm -hmm. 